Welcome to The Future Belongs to Creators. I'm your host, Barrett Brooks. I'm the COO at ConvertKit. My co-host is our CEO, Nathan Barry. We're on a mission to help creators earn a living, and this is a show about turning anxious energy into creative output during times of uncertainty. Hello to all of our listeners. It is Q&A Friday. Hey! Here we are. You know, it's one o'clock now, so that can be the actual intro. That was the, what do you mean that can, that was the actual intro? Oh man, I need a vacation. (laughs) Just from Barrett. (laughs) No, no, I'm just kidding. It's a great day. (laughs) Listen, I would just like to, to let you all know, if you're listening to audio and you're like, what is wrong with this human being? Christian, you can blame it on Christian because Christian in the live chat said, Intro song from Barrett, please, prayer hands. And I just gave the man what he wanted, okay? Don't blame it on me. That's right. It's not your fault. It's just how you were born. And then you were egged on by our incredible listeners. You know, I was thinking, right? So, you know, what? There's normally 15, 20, 25 people in the chat, something like that. We got our regular crew. They're fantastic. And then on Monday, we had, like, we we pulled in everything for the ConvertKit Commerce launch. And I was thinking that's probably like showing up to you know a house party. Just you got a couple friends, you've been hanging out every Friday night, it's just a good time. You get your six pack of beer that you're gonna share and you open the door and there's like 150 people there and you're like, do I have the right place? You know, and you're like, why, why are you all here? This is our just little hangout. But Monday was fun. Now we're here to hang out today. Barrett, you apparently have all the energy today. So maybe red, yellow, green. <laughs> How's that I'm, gr- I'm green today. Here's what happened, okay? I woke up and I knew yesterday actually what happened is I woke up also and then I made coffee. (laughs) You woke up every day. I'm so proud of you. It's a good way to start. Uh, I I made coffee and, you know, I turned the grinder on and it, it stopped while it was still supposed to keep grinding. That means the coffee beans are gone. And so I said to myself, here's the thing, Barrett. If you don't go to the coffee shop today and buy beans, tomorrow you're going to wake up and you're going to be very sad. You have a meeting to start today. Well, the day went by. I had all my meetings yesterday. And today I woke up and I came downstairs and I was very sad because I did not go to the coffee shop yesterday. And so I went to the coffee shop. But to save time, I got a latte. Normally Mm -hmm. at home, I drink like very little bit of coffee, like just four ounces max of coffee. Today... I got a latte from the coffee shop, which has two shots of espresso in it. So I just have a little energy, you know, that's all. I'm green. I like How it. are you doing? <laughs> I am also green. Today, I started my day. I, I made coffee. I made a latte this morning, which, Hey-o. you know, I've increased my co- coffee consumption, you know, 100%, 200%, 500%. I don't know. And I'm up to like one every other week. So it's getting, getting wild over here. But I sat outside just on our back patio, Hillary's brother is staying with us and he was starting his morning sitting outside on the back patio and I was like, that is a great idea. So I had my laptop, got some writing done, drank my latte. And just, I've had that vibe from the beginning of the day of like, today's gonna be a good day. <laughs> and everyone in, in Slack and our team is like, I mean, yeah, but where'd you come from? Because mm-hmm. normally you're the hype man and here I am like trying to be a hype man. So it was good. And then uh, the creator session that just happened with Tyrone Wells was so good. I love- it. Really I love the behind the scenes. I love the moment when he's playing and he's like, that's the wrong chord. And he just keeps going, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, I mean, it was, who else did that? 
Drew Holcomb. Mm-hmm. He's playing along. He starts and he goes, and I forgot the lyrics to that. You know, and he like just <laughs> it's so human, you know. I don't know. One thing I've loved about creator sessions is I am discovering new artists. Like our team does all the booking. They go out and find the inspiring creators that are on on the sessions. And I have not known many of them, or I have not heard of many of them before they were yeah. on. And man, it's been so cool to discover just all of these independent musicians and people uh, making their their living through their art that way. I'm loving it. It's it's a ton of fun. Yeah. Someone was asking me, this is a friend asking me the other night of like, what's the plan for creator sessions? What, you know, and I think that you and I do so many crazy things in business over time where people are like, you know, it's true with the conference. It's true, been true with a lot of things where people are like, okay, but what are you hoping to get out of this? And, and so I was like, I was explaining it, you know, and, and the whole thing is we, we expand into music as we provide this entertainment, as we build our brand, but Barrett, maybe do you want to share a little bit for everyone tuning in, like what we're hoping to do with creator sessions and what we expect over time and kind of the long game that we're playing there. Yeah. So look, like we're going to show you a little bit of the strategic nuts and bolts of this kind of thing, because it turns out that yes, we apparently do things that seem a little wild or like a little out there in terms of we make what people think is just email marketing software that's that's rapidly expanding to truly facilitate this connection between mm-hmm. creators and fans. And so sometimes people are like, well, a conference, like a this, a that, a that, a coffee table book, what are you doing? So the first thing you have to realize is the principle we are operating on is that we want to market a brand, an idea. A brand is built around a shared idea, right? And yep. the idea we are marketing is that anyone, everyone is a creator and anyone can earn a living as a creator if they do the right things and they get a little bit lucky. And we wanna improve the chances that people can get lucky to make a living as a, as a creator. We think the economy is going that way over the long term. We think that influences and tools are making it so that it's more possible and we wanna help facilitate that. Well, to build a brand, we can make ourselves the hero or we can make our customers the hero. And this is kind of this hero's journey idea from Joseph Campbell where, or the like Yoda, Luke Skywalker kind of thing where there's a mentor and then there's the actual hero. And for us, we think the best way to build a brand is for us to be the mentor, not the hero. Yeah. So we're building our brand as the mentor. And part of that is on a principle of making creators the heroes of the brand. So if you look at the overarching things we do, a lot of what we do in terms of marketing is make creators the hero. So with this specific thing in creator sessions, there's a few things we want to do. One is historically our customers have been people like us, creators like us who come from backgrounds as writers, maybe the kind of internet marketing world, teaching business, um, you know, that kind of selling eBooks and courses and that kind of stuff. Well, the world of creators is way bigger, way bigger. There's musicians and fine artists and photographers and filmmakers and all of these kinds of people. And our software is actually ideal for, in fact, in some cases, like the really nerdy internet marketers aren't as good of a fit for our um, software sometimes because they want to like push the edges and do all this crazy stuff with it. Like Taylor Swift sends broadcast emails. That is it. That's her whole email strategy. And we make software that can obviously do that, but can then even expand for a lot of these creators. So creator sessions is a hypothesis that by making 
creators in these growth markets, we're going to refer to them as growth markets because this is a business show. And these growth markets for us, if we make them the heroes of this thing, number one, it does, it puts our brand next to the kinds of creators uh, in the industries where we want to grow. And so it inherently positions us as the kind of tool that these kinds of people use, even though in some cases they may not use us at all. Right. Secondly, it allows us to expose those creators to our audience. So we get to provide value to our audience in the form of entertainment and joy by hosting these creator sessions, which is great. And then that further spreads the idea of the brand. Then if we get people live, um, it builds a sense of community amongst creators around this idea of creative work being a valuable thing to put into the world and to earn a living from. And then lastly, there's this potential that by paying a person, we pay all of these creators yep. to put on a performance for our community and be next to our brand that they might actually become customers in the process. And so far we've seen that play out with a couple of people. Are we like selling them hard? No, we're just being ourselves. We're paying them to come be a part of our brand and part of our community. And they're saying, oh, you make stuff for people like me? Well, let's have a conversation about that too. And that's an incredible outcome for us because what we've seen is when we have the well-known names from an industry, all the people who pay attention to the well-known person then are like, oh, well, they're using that. I should use that. And it creates this waterfall effect in an industry. So anyways, that's the very long-winded version of there's a lot that we think about that goes into projects like this when on the surface, it might just seem like a live YouTube performance. Yeah. And it's been crazy to see how it's working, especially the, you know, that leader follower type thing. You know, we used it a ton early on because everyone was like, hey, Pat, what do you use for email? You know, he's like, oh, I use ConvertKit. And then, you know, 500 people sign up for ConvertKit, you know? And, and so you're seeing the same thing of like um, Drew Holcomb, who did one of the creator sessions, you know, already people are going and going to start asking him what he used for email. And he's like, oh, well, I just switched to ConvertKit, you know? And so you start to see that break into a new industry and uh, it's been going really well. Anyway, that was a question from one of my friends in real life. See, I have real life friends, or at least I'm trying to convince the listeners that I do. But now we can dive into questions on the show. And the first one we've got is from Noah. He says, any advice on sustaining creative motivation and momentum through big life changes? For example, starting a full-time job, purely hypothetical and in no way related to something I'm doing in July. <laughs> I love the, the little like, yep, definitely not about me. Asking for a friend. How do you do this? What do you think, Barrett? I love it. Well, for me, it's not about motivation. It's about habit. And what I know about myself and what I think is true about a lot of my creator friends is when I'm in the habit, it's hard to break it. I just show up every day and I do the work and it happens over and over and over and over and over. And then when I break the habit, if I go too many days in a row without doing it, it becomes harder and harder to get back into it. And so I've talked about on this show before that as a creator, my identity is as a writer. Mm -hmm. I know that I'm a decent writer. I'm not a great writer. I'm a decent writer, though. I can write a thing that is functionally useful to an audience. But the longer I've gone, the less I really believe that in the moment when I sit down to write and the harder it is to just like get something on paper, just get an idea out of my head. But when I'm writing daily, it's like I've got so many ideas and words just flow out of me because I can't get them on paper fast enough. And I think that's because you train your brain to operate in a certain way. So if I'm you, Noah, and hypothetically in July, which is relatively soon, hopefully it's like later in July, I'm starting something new 
in a job or something like that. I'm going to work really hard right now to form the creative habit so that I carry that into the new thing. And what's changing is not my creative habit. What's changing is the other stuff I'm doing so that I have the best chance of possible of maintaining motivation via habit formation. That's what I would do. Yeah, that's good. I, I would focus it on habits. The habit specifically that I would work on is identifying when I'm going to do something and then doing it at that time. Even if it's 15 minutes of writing or 10 minutes of meditation or you know something like that where it shows up on the calendar and it does that. Because as you, you know, say you go into starting a full-time job right? That's a big shift. And now you're going to, you're going to have all these problems, but if you can be in the habit of for 30 minutes before work, I do this thing and you chip away at it, then, then that'll be really good. I love it. Let's see. We have a whole stack of questions from Teddy. He's like, Oh, you, you guys need some questions. (laughs) Um, I I got questions. He is asking, Oh, could you talk about OKRs and how you use them at ConvertKit? Because Barrett, you were Apparently, I'm just going to direct all these questions to you. I'm the MC today. Barrett is our resident expert. <laughs> and uh, Barrett, please tell us about OKRs, <laughs> you know, why and how we use them. So OKR stands for Objectives and Key Results. I think if you are a strategic-minded creator, and maybe even if you're not, it's a really effective way to set goals in a formatted and standard way so that you make progress towards whatever outcomes you're looking for. So objectives and key results. An objective is a broad overarching goal that describes some future state in your business. For us, an example of that would be achieve net negative churn or grow to 500,000 total users, something like that. Some outcome that you can't produce directly, but that you want to become true. Now, the way it relates to key results is that you could say, grow to 500,000 users, and then you attach this little thing on the end of as measured by. Or for you, it might be like, become a well-known writer in the food space or something like that. Well, that's hard to understand, like, have I done it or not? So the way you know you've done it is to say, as measured by these key results. And so in the example of being a food critic for, for you know, taking something like that, you might say, have one byline published in the New York Times, write 25 restaurant, takeout restaurant reviews to be relevant right now in the time of COVID, right, on my own personal site. Three would be publish 10 guest restaurant reviews on other well-known sites. And so you might not be well-known at the end of that, but that's your best bet on three things that you have control over that you could do to become a more well-known food critic. So that's an example of what an objective and a key result would be. When you think about how to put it into action, we do them at the company level on an annual basis, and we have between three and five objectives, and each objective has between three and five key results. And then for each team, they can look at the company-wide ones and say, well, how does this apply to me and how can I set our team-level objectives on a quarterly basis? So for you as a creator, it's just you a lot of the times, which is beautiful because it makes it way less complicated. And you could start by setting, let's say, three objectives for the year or maybe for the next three months or the next six months, and then three key results per objective. And then every project you work on or every creative thing you do could align to one of those key results so that you know you're trying to move the needle in a specific way by each action that you're taking in your business. So that's an overview. Yep, that's good. I like to set these quarterly objectives. It's a timely question because we're coming up, you know, July 1st is right around the corner. And it's just take a little bit of time. Grab your notebook, 
your cup of coffee, find a nice space and say, okay, what do I want to accomplish over the next three months? Or you can fast forward and step into that. All right, it's October 1st. What do I feel and what have I accomplished that made me feel that way, right? You know, and so look, what would make that feel like a success and write those things down? What progress have I made in my business? How many sales? Is the book proposal done? You know, each of those things. Write that down and then work backwards. Is it reasonable? Is it achievable? And then, you know, you can write that down, put it next to your sticky, like a sticky note next to your monitor or something. Keep coming back to that and say, okay, that's what I need to work on. Love it. Rashad had one way earlier. I want to make sure we don't skip. He said, when are you launching ConvertKit Commerce and what's it going to cost? If you missed Monday, well, Monday would be the one to go back and watch. But as an overview, it's launching July 15th for a small group of beta users. We'll continue to add people to it as time goes on and we get more confident that everything's working as it should. You can join the waitlist at convertkit.com slash commerce. It will cost you 3.5% plus 30 cents of every transaction that happens on the platform, which is on the lower end of the market. Do your research and make sure you're comfortable with it. But relatively speaking, we feel pretty good that it's got a lot of benefit for you and us. Yep. And that is the credit card processing fee. So one thing that we always want to clarify, it's not like this and then you pay over here for credit card processing. It's like, nope, that's it. And it'll be available on both free and paid converted plans. If anyone else wants to drop a commerce question in, maybe we'll do another rapid fire round of a couple of those. Christian is who I want to go to next. He's asking, can you share some inside info on new email templates? I've been struggling to get my emails to look the way that I want. Okay, actually being fully transparent. There are things when you run a business where you're like, we are absolutely nailing this and we're doing a great job. And then there are things where you just know you could do better and you're like, ah, it's still not a great experience. You know, whether it's something you're doing for your, your audience or a product that you created, or maybe even just like a physical crafted thing that you made and you're like, oh, I had this vision for it and it came out there. Email templates are one of those things for us. That's where it currently lives in its status. And so that's a place that I've been spending a lot of my time on the last couple of weeks. Um, We've actually brought in some really talented freelance designers to design more templates for us. And we're just working on, on that experience. So I've even, you know, I've famously been a plain text email kind of person. I still prefer that, but there's so many people that want great templates that when I launched my newsletter, that was something I said, okay, I'm gonna do a a email template so that I can go through that experience and I can see what it's like to use it, you know, as a user, as a customer um, and build that out. So you can design some pretty good things right now and it's a little bit of a pain inside ConvertKit and that's something that we're working on a lot. So Christian, I'd be happy to help you put together a template, shoot me an email, Nathan at ConvertKit and, uh, you know, we'll figure that out because that's something that I'm working on uh, right now. Love it. Carly asked, uh, and and, uh, we addressed this on a previous episode, but we'll touch on it quickly. Um, I have a question. I stopped sharing my art and creations with the whole uh, Black Lives Matter, George Floyd thing happened. I'm not sure if my voice is what was needed then. How do I start sharing again? So first I would say we we addressed this in detail, I think two Fridays ago. So look back to that episode. Uh, But Barrett, in, in the 30 to 60 second version, what would you say to Carly? Yeah, I mean, this is a personal decision. You've got to look inside to know the right answer, I think. Our answer is we stopped everything. We did an inventory of where we've been as a company and what we've already been doing in support of the Black community and then more widely the Black, Indigenous, and people of color communities. 
We put some new things in place to make sure that we were playing our part to the degree that we're able to as an organization. And once we had the systems, because for us, it's a system that's going to last for a long time so that we can make a meaningful impact, not just a be in the news now kind of impact. And we were confident in that. We know we've always got personal work to be doing to continue reading and learning and being better advocates ourselves. And that's part of the system. Now we said, all right, let's get back to work. Because the best thing we can do now that the systems are in place is generate more money so that we can give more money. It's to be able to hire people into an environment that's supportive and inclusive and invites diversity into the organization. And so we know that for us, we've got great systems in place and the best way we can improve and expand on the impact of those systems is to grow the business. So let's get back to work. For you, I think it's the same kind of thing. Reflect, where do you need to grow? Where are your gaps of knowledge and actions? Make sure that you've got systems personally in place to continue growing in those ways and then get back to work. Because as creators, I think that we can do a lot to invite conversation, invite diversity, invite collaboration with communities of all kinds, but especially the black community. So doing our work is part of the systems of creating change. Yep, I love that. Teddy asks, Nathan, how do you envision your newsletter working into the ConvertKit ecosystem as a whole? Yeah, so I've been um, doing a weekly newsletter for uh, forever now, basically um, two weeks. <laughs> Stay tuned for Tuesday <laughs> where we hit the really exciting week three. But the idea is basically to you know use the product a lot more, show up consistently for my audience, and then just get in the habit of writing and creating and publishing really consistently. And that's something that we think about a lot. And Barrett, you and I actually had a whole conversation about this yesterday. How should, you know, personal brands and and all of that fit into advancing the ConvertKit mission as a whole? And what we came to is there's a lot of things, there's ways that I as an individual creator and you as an individual creator can reach new groups and communities that a company can't. So for example, one that we talked about is if a company comes out with PR, a company like ConvertKit, and it's like, hey, our free plan now has a thousand subscribers. Most PR, you know, most publications are like, great. Yep. Nobody cares. <laughs> you know, they, that's not the type of story they want to write. What you end up with on the other side, if an author comes out and says, hey, I'm publishing this book and it's about this uh, drive that I have and this mission and my story and all of that. They're like, great. Would you like to be on Good Morning America? You know, because it fits into this narrative. And so companies don't write best-selling books. Individuals do. Now, when you look at something like, all these books written by CEOs, whether it's Howard Schultz from Starbucks or Tony Shea from Zappos, something like that, where you get this super popular book that then drives the brand and the company. But it's often better done as that individual representing the company rather than the company out front. So that's something we're still navigating and figuring out. We've built out our team more internally. So I think we've mentioned this, but Vanessa uh, is our new director of product. And so she's taking over that role that I had. And that frees me up to do a lot more of this you know, writing, promotion, all of that kind of work. And uh, the newsletter is a part of that. Love it. Don asks a question, does ConvertKit provide landing pages? If I wanted to run an ad campaign with an offer, send them to a landing page, they opt in and get a PDF in response, do you do that? And yes, I think that this is one of the like magic moments of using ConvertKit is realizing that all of our landing pages and forms, number one, you can have as many as you want, which is tough in some other software. 
And two is every landing page and form can have a separate PDF or digital download of some kind, as long as it's a file that's allowed. And so if someone subscribes to that particular form, the incentive email gets sent off immediately. The button in that incentive email is download my thing, and it both confirms them onto your list and downloads the thing, and it's awesome. So yes, that's one of our core use cases. There's a ton of templates. And if you go to landingpage.new, you can go create your own. Okay, Pierre, question. I'm at full-time last year. Since a couple of months, I'm in a state of constant anxiety. I'm not afraid to fail. I just feel weird. Any thoughts or experiences? Number one, this is totally normal. When I first went full-time as a creator, oh man, the anxiety and the depression and the energy management and just like, it's like the weight of the freedom of it almost combined with the pressure of being responsible for your own living. It's a lot. And the other thing I would add here, Pierre, is this is one of the most challenging times of our, our generation, like from, you know, whatever, let's call it Gen Z up to boomers, maybe just below boomers of like, we've never experienced anything like this unless you're maybe 60 or older, I think would be kind of the cutoff. Like that's how old you have to be to have really gone through something of this scale. There've been smaller things here and there. There's been recessions and other things like that. But in terms of a pandemic, social unrest, all of these things happening at once, this is unlike anything we've experienced in a long time. So be kind to yourself and realize that you've got this normal thing happening that happens to all creators in the transition. And you've got the added weight of health anxiety, social anxiety, like societal challenges and problems that are coming to the forefront, all wrapped up into one thing. So take it easy on yourself. What I found is two things really help. One is habit formation. And I don't go back to that to be pedantic or like to say that that's the answer to everything. But in a lot of cases, habits create security and they create just like a sense of uh, structure to your your day in a way that you had maybe when you were working and a job that now you don't have because you can do whatever you want whenever you want. So I'd read Atomic Habits. Our friend James Clear wrote, it's the best book on habits. And I would structure my day around habits that lead to business results. The second thing is find a peer group. Having a mastermind group was one of the keys for me, definitely. I think Nathan would say the same of just staying in touch with Am I making progress? What did I say I was going to do? Are other people going through what I'm going through? And we met for years on a weekly basis. And then we slowed down to like every other week or monthly for a while. And that provided so much useful just support from a social perspective. So those are the two things I'd do. Yep. I think that's good. The biggest thing is knowing that that's you're not alone. It's not uncommon to feel that way. We still feel it. I think when you have all the time, available to work on uh, advancing your dreams. You're like, what should I be doing right now? I could do anything. What will actually move the needle? Okay. We have another question from a anonymous listener who (laughs) we won't name. He says, he's asking what WordPress form plugin works best with ConvertKit. And thank you for websites where messages, comments, and a large text area part of the form is most important. And then he says, I also like to add a contact form submission as a subscriber and get them on a sequence based off if they choose beginner, intermediate, or advanced in the form. Is that frowned upon? How would I do it? Et cetera. So first, if you're just doing opt-in forms, we've got our own WordPress plugin. I'd recommend using that. 
But there are plugins for some of these other use cases of opt-in forms and comments. I know some pretty popular blogs that have grown their email list a lot by driving people to comment and then having an option, you know, checkbox of also subscribe to the form. I don't know which plugins they use. Make sure that it is an explicit checkbox to say, yes, I would like to join your newsletter and receive updates about A, B, and C or receive tips on, on these things. I've definitely seen it where you fill out someone's contact form and then you're weirdly on their newsletter and you're like, how did this happen? Like, yes, I reached out to you, but I just met, I was just sending you a message. I wasn't trying to join your newsletter. And so that's where I think you're going to have to be really careful and just always go for explicit permission. It's not about list size. It's about the, getting the most people who are really engaged and really want your content. Yep. I always try and be upfront and transparent and you, you only want people who want what you're going to send them on your list. Don's asking about running ads, but then looks like purchasing an email list. We don't ever recommend purchasing an email list. Yeah. It's not technically illegal. It's just very frowned upon. Yeah. I, we just haven't seen good results. And more often than not, I mean, we, we don't allow it at ConvertKit. If you've purchased a list and that's how you've grown your audience, and we find that out on our platform, which we have a variety of ways of doing, we'll normally ban your account. Unless, unless it's like truly a mistake that you really didn't understand and everything, you know, we'll work with you on that. But generally speaking, it's really not good practice. And the reason is that most of the time, if you're buying a list, number one, it's highly likely those people didn't give the original person permission to email them. <laughs> yes. And so it's definitely true that they haven't given you permission to email them. And the best email marketing in our experience that really builds successful businesses is email marketing that's permission-based. People who have specifically opted in, they want what you're sending, they're interested in you as the creator and your work, and that's why they gave you their email address. And so buying a list, it can seem like a way to get a head start, but it can be really damaging to your brand and ultimately also to your email deliverability, meaning how many people are able to receive your emails over time. So we, we would stay away from that. And definitely if you're getting started, it might seem like a shortcut, but I think it might actually harm you in the long term in terms of your business. Yep. I think the only thing that I could see working is where it's like totally above board and all of that is when you, if you partner with someone to be able to run ads, like retargeting ads to their subscribers. That's like something that would be okay, where uh, if you did a big partnership between you know you and another creator, you might put like your Facebook ad pixel on their site if they were okay with that, and maybe vice versa. It would allow better ad segmenting and it would make for cheaper clicks, cheaper views and, and all of that. That's kind of the only thing like that that's okay. The other thing is, <laughs> this is probably not giving too much away, but if you import a list, and that list, you know, has been sold or something like that, chances are someone's tried to import it to ConvertKit already. And we know we have all the data. And so it pulls up and someone's like, oh, we have seen this list 25 times before on all of these accounts that were banned for spam. And our compliance team is just like, come on, what do you think we are, amateurs? And they just, it's so obvious with the systems behind the scenes. And so the account just gets blocklisted right away. And, you know, it's just, don't do it. Let's go back to our anonymous listener who called in. <laughs> oh, that sounds good. They have more questions. They are asking. <laughs> There's a, an author, Thomas Peo, who wrote an article called The Hammer and the Dance, which has been circulated a lot. Um, and he has an email opt-in form that looks like it's just a Google form and he's asking for advice. And he follows it up and says, if Balaji, who 
we've mentioned on the show before, ask for advice on email marketing or just creating in general, what would you tell him? You know, and so both of those individuals are creating a ton of content around COVID and, and you know, what our reaction to it should be and all of that. Hmm. Here's what I love about Balaji as an example. He has already done the hard work of growing an audience. And so for him, people know what to expect from him. I would describe it as almost like um, data-driven predictions on the future right? in a way. The thing that's missing for him, I don't know if he does email marketing, but if he's not doing it today, the thing that's missing is ownership of the relationship. He's got an intermediary of Twitter or whatever other platforms he's using that the intermediary is the algorithm, right? That is the thing. There's there's nothing wrong with the platform. You just don't have control over who sees what from you. With email, you have much more control. Uh, the same is true of SMS in a lot of cases. Those are kind of equivalents in terms of having more control over the messages people see. So what I would tell Balaji is, cool, let's leverage what you've already built here because you've got this great audience. Like I was talking to a creator on Monday who just signed up for ConvertKit. I think we're going to do a case study on him on a future show. But he's had a podcast for a long time. He's got a big listenership. And he just started email a week ago. And what he did was he created a PDF incentive, opt-in incentive rather, which is just a guide to, I think it was like a hundred life hacks or something like that, which is aligned with his audience and they trust him. So they know it's not just going to be like throwaway stuff. It's useful stuff. And he promoted that on his podcast and he sent people to a convert kit landing page. And in seven days, and I haven't checked since I talked to him, 5,300 email subscribers. Like, it's crazy. I mean, that's fantastic. If you can get 5,000 email subscribers, I mean, you can earn a living at this stuff for sure. Yep. That is definitely a big enough audience to be able to make products and earn a living. So I was talking to him and what I, I mean, this is obvious, you know, but when I was talking to him, the only difference between him and someone who starts from scratch is he had just already built an audience on another platform. He had all these podcast listeners who trust him. They listen to him. They know him or they feel like they know him because they're listening in all the time. And he just said, hey, you already trust me. Go get this thing I made for you. And people are like, oh, of course. Why would I not do that? But now he doesn't have to rely on Apple Podcasts or Spotify or Stitcher or whatever to be the intermediary. He can email those people and tell them, hey, there's a new episode or, hey, I made this thing. Go buy it. And I would tell Balaji the same thing. All right, Balaji, let's let's do a targeted push to get you to send your existing audience to your email list and let's give them some value in return. And now you own the relationship and then go with you. If you get tired of Twitter or you get you know, whatever, people push you off the platform or something, you will have the people who really care to hear from you still in one place. Yep, I think that's so good. Another angle to take this question would be, basically, what do you do when you write a article that goes crazy viral and you want to have some portion of that stick around, right? So this this article, The Hammer and the Dance, uh, was published on Medium. It's super long, super detailed. It's not Thomas's domain. I mean, just look at this thing. He's got graphs, he's got all kinds of detail. And, and this has been referenced in so many places. And I think at the end, so that's where he's got subscribed to my newsletter. So he is telling people to do that. So the first thing that would happen that I would say is actually ask people to subscribe, like what's happening here. I would do it not through Google form. I would obviously do it through a ConvertKit landing page because the conversion rates are just going to be way higher. You get to have your own branding and all that in there. The mistake that I made once is I wrote this article. It's the first article I ever wrote that you know, went somewhat viral and it was titled as the most clickbait title, how I made $19,000 on the app store while learning to code. (laughs) 
And uh, this, I wrote it in 2011. And I thought, okay, I've made it as a blogger because my traffic went from like 150 or 200 visits a month to 35, 40,000 visits in a day. And the next day was slightly less, but still a ton. And I thought, okay, wow, this is going to stick around. I've done everything. The thing is, it turned out to be a flash in the pan, right? Everybody showed up and then they went, that was a good article. And then they left and they never came back because um, I didn't have an email opt-in for them. The best thing I had was like, follow me on Twitter, maybe. And it would have been so good to say, hey, if you want to hear more stories like this with real numbers, actual lessons, you know, and everything that I'm doing, like subscribe to my newsletter or even better, you know, download this thing for free that has more details. And here's the thing, like, Viral traffic is lower quality than normal traffic. So you get this big boost and you should take advantage of it because some of those people want to continue to hear from you. But if you're getting viral traffic to a thing that maybe isn't aligned with what you're going to continue to do in the future, it may not be all that worth it. You know, you might just chalk it up as a win of a good piece of writing or a great performance or whatever it is. But if it is aligned, well, one option, if it's not aligned with your long-term vision, your job when you get those subscribers is to translate your longer-term thing, the thing you did to the longer-term thing, and make sure you kind of help people understand why you're about to talk about other stuff and make a tie between them. Or if it is aligned, you want to continue that momentum. Keep coming at them because if you have a break between the viral thing that they read and the next thing you send them, they're going to forget about you because they didn't read the thing or watch the thing or listen to the thing because of you. They listened to it or watched it or, or read it because someone else said they should. And so if you don't hit them immediately with that onboarding sequence of here's who I am, here's the most valuable stuff I've done, here's some other stuff you might enjoy, they're going to forget all about you. And by the next time you email, they'll just they'll unsubscribe because they don't remember why they subscribed to begin with. Yep, that's good. And the final thing I'd say, and then we should uh, transition and start to wrap up the show because I actually have some work that I should do today. Um, <laughs> this is work. This is work. <laughs> sure, Barrett, whatever you want to tell yourself. Um, the only thing I would say is we take that article. If you do have an email list, even if it's small, work that article into your, your email sequence that's going out automatically. Some people will have seen it already, you know, but you can say, hey, if you haven't seen this yet or, or you know, check out this piece, right? It's a foundational piece. If you introduce it as like being a little bit, you know, hey, I published this back in January uh, 2020 or something like that. Get that in there. And then you can make sure that people come across it. So like seven months ago, I wrote the article, The Ladders of Wealth Creation, which we've talked about on this podcast. And there's a bunch of people who have joined my list between six months ago and now who, even though I'm like, this is like a foundational piece, I put so much time into it. And they're like, what? I've never heard of it. You know what I'm like? Right. Yeah. That needs to go in the email sequence. Love it. Creator of the day. All right. <laughs> My creator of the day is Crystal Rowry. She's a designer brand strategist. Uh, her website is chrisdidit.com, K-R-I-S-S. -S. I just love her work. I follow her on Instagram. She's had a bunch of partnerships with people like Marie Forleo and a lot of other creators. She's just a fantastic designer. I also talked to her over the last couple of weeks and she's going to come design not only some uh, forms and landing pages for us, but also some email templates for us that are going to be in ConvertKit. But if you want to uh, follow a great designer who knows typography and brand and everything else really well, then uh, check out Crystal's work. Love it. My creator of the day is Tyrone Wells. 
I know we mentioned him at the start of the show, but uh, he did a creator session with us today. He is a musician, singer, songwriter, like kind of full stack musician, I guess I would call him. That's such a nerdy way to refer to it. <laughs> You've been hanging out with engineers too much. Do you think you four years ago would refer to anyone as a full stack anything? Probably not. <laughs> but uh, anyways, you can listen to his creator session on our YouTube channel, which you are currently on if you're watching live. And you can pick up his album, Lift Me Up, you know, wherever you listen to music. I had not no offense to Tyrone, this does not reflect on him. It reflects on the fact that I came up through hip hop and that's basically all I pay attention to. I had not heard of Tyrone, but now that I have, I love his music. And I think the personal approach that Creator Sessions takes makes me feel more connected to it. So now it feels like I have I have like a personal experience with all those songs I listened to today, um, which I loved. So go check him out. Definitely watch the Creator Session. Put it on your TV for your family. That's one of my favorite things, seeing all the people tweet and share that they're, they've got it on in their living room with their family on the TV. It's um, it's like having a concert in your living room. I'll say it over and over. So Tyrone is my creator of the day. Love it. Um, and if you enjoyed the creator session, send Tyrone a note, you know, just maybe on Twitter or some other channel and say, hey, thanks for doing that because that'd be awesome. All right, my resource of the day is a book that I just finished reading and it's called Factfulness. And uh, it's by Hans, Hans Rosling. And it's 10 reasons why we're wrong about the world and why things are better than you think. And this by no means diminishes all the things that are terrible that are going on in the world. But Hans was a doctor working all over the world. He's originally from Sweden. He got his start practicing medicine in Mozambique and you know around the world. And he's gotten into just all kinds of things about assumptions that we have about the way the world works, the way medicine is globally, poverty, all of these things. And he basically makes the point that we're wrong about it. He has this 13 question quiz that you can find. I think it's at factfulness.com or something like that. Just Google it. Go ahead and take it. I'd be surprised if you get more than 30% right. And every question is a three question, multiple choice. So statistically, you should do better than that. Um, But it just shows that we have a fairly biased view of the world. And anyway, he's got a great perspective. And there's, it was just interesting to see how so many of the things that we're doing are actually really working. And, you know, basically to figure out what we should double down on to create change in the world. So check out the book. Love it. My resource of the day is a book I just finished up. Um, Y'all are just going to keep getting my recommendations to become more educated for right now, because I think it's it's important now. It will always be important. But um, I just finished up White Fragility by Robin D'Angelo. She's a white author writing about how white people can do better in terms of handling racism. And uh, it will challenge you in a lot of ways. I think it does center the white experience a little more than is ideal for these kinds of conversations. But I don't think she shies away from topics that are tough either. And so I would recommend it. I think it's a good book. It's a good education resource now and always. So check that out if you have not read it already. Awesome. Well, that is it for today's episode. Thanks for hanging out with us. I'm going to see you on Monday. I'm, I'm going to be on vacation. Again? I know it's ridiculous. Do I even do any work around here? Golly. I'm turning 30. 30 years old on Monday. Finally. And I'm going to go on vacation to celebrate. <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, everybody tune in Monday. You're stuck with Barrett again. Have a great evening. Have a evening? Whatever. Have a great weekend. See you all later. <laughs> Thanks for listening to The Future Belongs to Creators. 
We're the makers of ConvertKit, where we're on a mission to help creators earn a living by building software that helps you build an audience of loyal fans. ConvertKit is the best way to launch or grow your next creative project. To start building your audience with a landing page and to send emails up to 500 subscribers for free, go to landingpage.new. That's landingpage.new to get started with the free ConvertKit account today. We'll see you next time.